0: I'll start out this morning by kind of sharing with you a real life story it has absolutely nothing to do with the message today. Y'all okay with that? I'll just show you how real the hall house is About two or three years ago. We had just gotten here We not have been here very long and and Brock and Cooper my two boys. They they love coming with me early in the mornings They love getting here early um, used to we'd have to set the ropes out and all that kind of stuff so that everybody could sit tightly together But obviously we can't do that anymore and so they would get up and come with me, and one morning, or one Saturday afternoon, the boys told me, they said, Dad, we're just going to sleep late in the morning. We're not going to go with you in the morning. I said, okay, that's fine. So I get here, right over here getting ready. We were in worship, and Chelsea comes running in. Um, she had just brought the girls. And she walked in, and she said, where's Brock and Cooper? I said, really? You're kidding, aren't you? She said, no, you've got them right. I said, no, honey. They said they wanted to stay in the bed. And so just like the rapture, I mean, she was going out the door. I don't know if you remember, but about midway through the, the message that morning, she walks back in, and I had cued the, the congregation. So as she walked in, everybody clapped, and we all cheered. This morning, we're sitting right there. She goes, how's Brock and Cooper this morning? I said, do what? Well, how's Brock and Cooper? I said, I don't know. And her face, you could see fear. She said, do you not have them? I said, no, and you don't either. I said, they're at your mom's house. They weren't even at our house last night. And she's wondering where the kids are. So you can tell, this Hall family, man, we've got this whole thing figured out. If you need parent counseling or anything, I'll see you after. We'll meet down here, and we will tell you exactly how not to do this thing. So, yeah. Yeah. So when you see her this morning, make sure you encourage her. Make sure you encourage her. No, but we'll go ahead this morning and continue um, with where we were last week. We, we begin to share kind of um, the mission that God has given us or the vision that God has placed on our hearts for, for this local assembly of believers here at Chestnut Mountain Church. Or, or I like to refer to it as our assignment. Because the truth is, is I feel with everything in me that God has given us a specific assignment here at Chestnut Mountain Church. And with our mission statement, you hear it a lot. We have the bracelets on. You'll see it around everywhere on our social media. But our mission statement is to saturate the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. And so we shared that last week. What what does it look like to saturate the world with the good news? But then what we begin to walk through is we begin to walk and talk about the four pillars that support this mission statement that God has burdened in our hearts. Now, I want you to remember what we talked about last week. Just because what we share is not our, to our credit, it's not saying that Chestnut Mountain Church is the only way, it's not saying that we have this whole thing figured out, but what it is, is this is the direction that God has called this local body of believers. And what we are to do is to remain faithful to that, To remain faithful to what God has called us to do here. But it's not saying that the way Chestnut Mountain Church is, is the only way, because that's not it. He's not called us to do what he's called some of our our local churches around us to do. But our vision statement here, it's a little long, but we're simplifying it to four words, because if you're like me, you need it simplified. But we're a community of believers here at Chestnut Mountain, we're a community of believers. Found in Christ, established on Christ, making disciples of Christ, and sending disciples for Christ. So we want you to have that memorized by next week, and then there'll be a test at the beginning. No, I'm just kidding. Actually, we won't. But there's four words found, established, making, and sending. That's everything that we're about. So I think we can all memorize those four words, right? I'm gonna do what we did the first service. It was kind of cute. We're gonna sit crisscross applesauce, so I want you to get in there. I'm just kidding. We're not gonna do that. But I want you to repeat those four words just to help them remember. You ready? Found, established, making, sending. That's who we are. We're found, established, making, and sending with a purpose to saturate the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. And so, as we talked about last week, being found in Christ is where it all starts in a lot of places in a lot of circumstances there's this mindset that it's salvation is where it ends okay I've, I've, i'm saved i know i'm going to heaven when i die so check that one off the box but the reality is in, in a relationship with jesus christ salvation is not the end salvation is just the beginning This is just the beginning of our journey of walking with Christ. And we're gonna read about that in just a minute, but it's actually a launching pad into a surrendered life. This is a launching pad into a surrendered life, and as we surrender to this, we grow in the gospel. And just as you've heard Brandon share just a moment ago, we can't grow in the gospel, we can't grow with the understanding of what Christ has done, who Christ is, without responding to it. When you hear of this love, when you hear of this sacrifice, when you hear of this price that was paid, you have no choice but to respond to it. We have to respond. And so the two pillars that we've spoken of or the one that we have so far is being found in Christ, but today we're going to focus on being established on Christ. And what does it mean to be established on Christ? I want you to turn to the book of Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2 is where we're going to be today. And just to give you the context of, of, this, of this letter that he's writing to the church at Colossae, the city here, what I want you to think about and what we want to understand is that Paul, is, is, this letter's a little bit different. In that he's very excited, he's very encouraged about the stance that this particular church is taking. They're standing firm, they're standing on the teachings of God's word, they're standing on the truth of the gospel, But the reason that he's celebrating them is because in this moment, of this context, there's some dangerous teaching that's going on in the city. There's a lot of dangerous teaching that's taking place that's influencing the city. And so if it's influencing the city, what Paul is warning them of is don't let this influence the church. We've got to make sure that we're standing firm on the foundation. But he's so proud that they have received the word. They're standing on the word, but then they're also growing in the word. They're growing in the word of God. And so what's what's so encouraging, I can imagine being the Colossian church and, and reading this letter and the way Paul starts and he talks about how much he's been praying for them. Man, I've been praying for you and I've been praying for your strength, for your courage. But then in chapter two, verse one, man, he said something that just jumped off the pace to me. He says in verse one, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf for those who are in Laodicea and for all those who have not personally seen my face. What he's saying in this struggle, this, this, this struggle that he's talking about is how passionate he is about praying for them. He's, he's, He's moaning for for them. He's, he's hurting for them. He's struggling for them because he's pleading with God. God, allow them to remain faithful. Allow them to remain strong. Allow them to remain steadfast in who you are. Can you imagine, church, what it would look like if Paul was able to share that's what he was praying over us? Is that we would stand strong, that we would remain faithful, and that we would stand true to God's word? That would motivate anybody that the Apostle Paul was praying that over us. And so what he goes from is he goes from encouraging them to letting them know, I've been praying for you, I love you. But then he goes into celebrating what all God's been doing. And I want you to look at verse 5 of chapter 2. He says, For even though I am absent in the body, nevertheless I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline, And the stability of your faith in Christ. You know, what's interesting about this is this is why we we get a glimpse into the heart of who Paul is. And this is my prayer that who we are like, in that you see that he's celebrating. He says, I'm rejoicing in your discipline, I'm rejoicing in what God is doing in your church. What's interesting about this is you would think, man, well, Paul, you know, at some point, he must have been the pastor of that church, or maybe he is the pastor of that church, or, or, or why in the world is he celebrating what's going on in that church? That's what makes this so absolutely beautiful of the Big C Church. You see, this is a church that Paul didn't plant. Paul was preaching in Ephesus, and we read about it in the, ver- in the first chapter of this letter, that a man by the name of Epaphras came, and he heard the gospel presented by Paul... He received Christ. He gave his life to the Lord. Then he goes back to his hometown, which is Colossae, and he begins to talk about this Jesus that he met. He began to talk about this gospel. And so what he began to do is he began to saturate this city with the good news of Jesus Christ. And so what Paul is so excited about is not necessarily that he played some huge role in this church plant, but what he's excited about is that the good news of Jesus Christ is spreading. He is celebrating the big C church. And that is our heart's cry here. That's why you will hear us talk about what God is doing in other locations. It's because we want a heart like Paul's. We want to brag on what is happening in the kingdom, not always just what's happening inside these four walls. Because when all the other churches win, the kingdom wins. And church, that's what we've got to be about. We can't get so, so isolated and so siloed that we think that this is the only church world. Because I got news for you. It's not. We're not going to be the only ones in heaven. Some of you are going, really? Man, that's the only reason I'm here. I thought this was the heavenly place. No. But what's so awesome about Paul is he's celebrating a church that he says, I, you've never even seen my face. You don't really even know who I am, but I am still celebrating what God is doing in your church. And so he goes from celebrating, he goes from encouraging them, and, and he ends up tying it all up. And he says, we've all been knit together in love. We've all been knit together in love. Can you imagine if that was the mission statement of all the local churches? What if our mission statement as a big seed church was like, look, we've all been knit together in love. That's what it's about. It's not about a name, but it's all about who Christ is and what he's done. And that's what knits us together. But then he goes from celebrating. Then he steps into the idea of of encouraging. And that's where we're going to be today. I want you to look at verses 6 and 7 of Colossians chapter 2. He says, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk with him. I love how plain Paul is. You've received him, so walk with him. Here's the response. Verse 7, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. He says, look, you've received him. Now it's time to walk with him. This points back to the first pillar about being found in Christ. Remember, receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior is not the end, it is just the beginning. And as you receive Christ, now your responsibility as a follower of Christ is not just to leave Him where He's at, but to walk with Him, to have fellowship with Him, to be in communion with Him. And this is how we grow in our faith. But that word receive, when He says for those who have received Christ, that word received is simple. It means you join one's self to. It means that it's a companion we cling to, we link ourselves to. And so, as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, what we need to be reminded of is by clinging to Him, by uniting ourselves with the name of Jesus Christ. This is what reconciles us back to God. Not how good you are, not that you've got it figured out, not that you've stopped doing this or not that you've stopped doing that, but clinging to him as your Savior, clinging to him as hope, clinging to him as the answer. And this is where the everlasting life comes from. And so we've been found in our faith. But now Paul challenges us, instead of just being found in your faith, you've got to walk by the same faith. And just truthfully, that's the hardest part of being a follower of Christ. You know, we love to celebrate that I'm found in Christ. My eternity is set. But this whole walking by faith is a whole different story. You say, well, how in the world do I walk with Christ? How do I fellowship with him? How do I have communion with him? It's not as complicated as we make it. I know we throw that word, well, you pray. What does pray mean? You have a conversation. You have a conversation with God. I don't know if you've ever been in the room with somebody that just gets that, and you just hear them conversing with God. It doesn't sound a whole lot different from when they're conversing with me, but it's because of the intimacy they have with God. I understand the reverence. I understand all of that. But the truth is, at the end of the day, He is our Father. And so to have communion with Him is just to pray with Him, just to have a conversation with Him. And that is one thing that we do here on a weekly basis on Wednesday nights. We open up this front lobby, and we do just that. We pray. Now, look, it ain't very entertaining But all we do is we get in the presence of an almighty God and we beg God to heal our land. We beg God to keep moving in our church. We beg God to heal us spiritually. And we beg God, God, don't allow us to get in the way from what you're doing here. And so that's all it is. But it's us having fellowship with him. It's us growing with him. And so we talk with God, but then we allow him to talk to us. I have a hard time when people say that they're growing in their relationship with Jesus Christ, but this is never opened. I think that's an impossibility. Because this is the word of God. It is God breathed and it is living. This is how God communicates with us. And so that's something that we do here a lot. We've stepped out of that going into this series for the next four weeks. But if you've been here for any amount of time, we walked through the whole book of 1 Corinthians. And then we went into 1 John. And I kind of have some idea of where we're going after we finish this. But I'm not going to advertise it yet because I don't know if it's my flesh or if it's the Holy Spirit. So I'm just going to keep surrendering to that. He'll tell me we're going to be right back in the word of God, opening it and just walking through a book as a church family together. There's nothing more powerful when we walk in here on Sunday mornings and we open what you've been reading all week because you're already there. And so these are ways that we've received him. So now we have to walk with him. But as we walk with him, I understand that when we're walking, he's going to give us direction And I wish I could say that the direction that God gives is always easy because it's not. When God directs our steps, there's going to be things that we want to argue about. When God directs our step, when God opens doors, you know, I don't want to keep God in this box because why is it that all the time that we want to see God do so many things outside the box, but the problem is we as the church won't let him out of the box We wanna see these out-of-box results within the box faith, and that's not gonna happen. He wants us to step into the unknown. And so when God opens doors for us to do ministry, and this team and this staff, we surrender to the Lord and we say, God, is this a door that you're opening? And if he says yes, I know some people are gonna go, well, that didn't fit into the budget. I don't care, because if God leads us to do it, guess what, that's what we've gotta be obedient with. And when God leads us to do it, I'm not worried about the provision because he's the provider. If he tells us what to do, he's going to provide it. It's going to happen. But what we've got to do as a follower of Christ is step into that. And it's scary, especially when the numbers don't line up. But boy, is it not beautiful when you get to the end and you say, oh, my God. I believe, but God, I am sorry for my unbelief. So I know following and walking with him can at times be scary. But I want you to remember this as a follower of Christ. You've trusted him with your eternity. So how in the world can you not trust him with your next step? You've trusted him with your eternity. How do we not trust him with the next step? And so with the thought of walking with him, you've received him. So now walk with him. What Paul says next should motivate all of us to walk with him. Look at the, the beginning of verse 7. Having been firmly rooted. He's saying, look, you've received him, you walk with him, but you've also been firmly rooted in him. You've also been firmly rooted on him. Now the phrase having been firmly rooted, it's got a little it sounds a little funny just because of the way it's worded, but what we know is that this is this phrase is in the present tense, but it's a past action with continued results. It's a past action that is gonna continue to grow, that's gonna continue to move. And so when we receive Christ, yes, we are planted in him, but as a follower of Christ, is if we are firmly rooted, we're gonna see constant results, meaning those roots are gonna go deeper and deeper into the gospel and of who God is. If we are walking with him, if we're fellowshipping with him, if we're in the word, if we're in prayer, because it's going to be something that took place in an instant. But it's going to be a constant growth. It's going to be a constant result. But when you received him, you were firmly rooted. in man, that word firmly. That just firmly. Don't that just sound good? When we were found in Christ, we are firmly rooted in him. The word firmly means this. Stable and securely in position. When we are found in Christ, we are stable and we're securely in position. Now, we look around. We can turn on the TV when you go home. And you can see some things that were not necessarily firmly rooted. You know, the poor Gulf Coast, they continued to get plastered by hurricanes, by tornadoes, by strong winds. And it's always just mind-blowing to me that when you turn on the TV and you see these just ginormous trees and you'll see these ginormous trees that are just uprooted and just laying flat on their side and it's just heartbreaking because something that has been growing for hundreds of years in an instant it's done And then you look and a lot of times those huge trees, yes, some limbs may be broke off, but usually the tree is completely intact. And what that lets us know is that the fact that it was uprooted had very little to do with the tree, but it had everything to do with what was rooted in, what was holding it. Because as the rains came, as the winds came, as the the ground became soupy and muddy and nasty, now when the elements of life came, when the winds, the tornadoes, all of that stuff, because the ground was so soggy, there was no foundation. That tree didn't stand a chance because of what it was rooted in. And so that's what it means to be rooted in Christ is we are firmly planted. We are firmly stable. We're firmly secure in him. So as a follower of Christ, us being rooted is that we are rooted in everything, the finished work that he's done. It's nothing that you've done. It's nothing that you've figured out. But we are secure, we are stable because of the finished work of the cross. We're stable and secure in our position only by our faith and nothing else. Only by our faith and nothing else. And when we are firmly rooted in him, this is why Romans chapter 8, and I know I read this just a couple of weeks ago, but I can't get away from it. Because this is what the definition of being firmly rooted is. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principality, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It doesn't matter what life throws at us. As If we are rooted in the name of Jesus Christ, we are more than conquerors through him. This is what we are rooted in. This is our foundation. This is our hope. It's only because we are rooted in him. But the question I've got to ask you this morning is what are you rooted in? What are you rooted in? You know, maybe today you're not a follower of Christ. You're not a a believer. You're You're not surrendered and maybe you're rooted in something other than this whole gospel thing that we're talking about. Maybe you're rooted in something else. Maybe I would ask the question, What are, are you rooted in a relationship? Are you rooted in your career path? Or Are you rooted in, in a addiction? Are you rooted in your social status? Because I will go ahead and tell you right now, if those are the things that you are rooted in, you're going to look just like the oak trees on the Gulf Coast. When life gets tough, when the winds come, when the rains come, when the storms hit your front door, it is going to uproot you and you're not gonna have a clue what happened, but it's because you've realized that everything you were trying to grow in, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What are you rooted in? Are we rooted in Christ Jesus? Jesus. Now, here's another interesting thing about roots. What Paul's been talking about up to this point is that we are firmly rooted, meaning that we are planted, that we are secure in him. But not only do these roots give us security, not only does this root keep us stable, but what also we find out about the roots is the root is where we get life. A plant is not just planted so that the roots stay put, but the roots of a plant is where it draws the life from. Now, I'm really about to show my age the fact that I even know what plants are. My favorite plant, and I've shared this probably back in 2018 when we mentioned these the first time, but my favorite plant is a hydrangea bush. You've seen them, and they're just big, beautiful bushes in the morning. And if you've ever noticed, it's just got a big cluster of flowers on them. Sometimes they're pink, sometimes they're purple, sometimes they're blue, sometimes they're white. And what's interesting is what influences the color of the flower is actually what's in the soil. Man, that'll preach. That's a whole other message for another day. But, you know, in the mornings you go out and you see that hydrangea bush and you're like, Man, that is the most beautiful, lush plant that I've ever seen. If you've never noticed it, I want you to go back out. I know we're coming on the end of summer now. But if you will go out in the months of July and August, that very bush that looked absolutely gorgeous at at daylight or at 9 o'clock or even 10 o'clock in the morning. Go back out there and look at the very same plant at about 5 or 6 o'clock in the evening. It doesn't look quite the same. because you see, it's been under the influence of the elements of the world for an entire day. The sun parches it, and you'll see those green leaves that look so beautiful that morning. All of a sudden, they look wilted, and they're curled up on the ends. You'll look at that flower that was white that morning, and now all of a sudden, it's got just sort of a muddy look to it. It was pink, and now it's just kind of just, just, and you're sitting there going, my gosh, what just happened? What just happened to that beautiful bush that was so gorgeous this morning? Well, what you find out is the root system of a hydrangea bush is very, very shallow. And so with the elements of life, when the elements of this world come against that bush, it can't withstand what this world is throwing at it because the root system is not very deep. And so it's not drawing the life that it was intended to draw because the roots aren't going. They're not established enough in the soil to continue to make it look like it has life. We'll come back to that bush in just a minute. And I found another one this week that that honestly wasn't too appealing. It's not one that you're gonna see advertised and people planting all in their in their yards. And, and that is that of a of a wild rose, not a knockout rose, not the roses that you plant in your garden, but just a wild rose. What's interesting about a wild rose is they only grow to be about four feet tall. Well, <laughs> Four feet tall. I don't know why I said four feet. <laughs> y'all are all so funny. Dang it. I just put the ball on there for y'all just to hit it off of it. Don't I? anyway. But these plants are only four feet tall. And what you find out when you study, their root system, in most cases, is over five feet tall. Their root system is much deeper than the size of the plant on the surface. And so when I began to look at it, I go, oh, okay, that's pretty neat. The roots are larger than the plant, that's good, but, but where did this thing grow? And so when I began to look and try to find where this, these wild roses grow, the first place it said was in a hardwood forest, and it began to talk about cottonwoods, it began to talk about these birch trees, it began to talk about all these just beautiful, ginormous trees, and in my mind, that wasn't too impressive, Because I'm like, man, anything could grow there. Because in my mind, when I think of a hardwood forest, I'm thinking, you know, there's these big old beautiful oak trees with probably a creek running down to the middle. You know, a hammock tied up between this tree and that tree. And I'm just flowing back over the creek and the wind's blowing. And man, it is just calm. It is just peaceful. And in my mind, I read that and I go, what in the world couldn't grow there? How closely does that resemble a relationship as a follower of Christ? Man, we can grow as long as it's comfortable. We can grow as long as it's peaceful. We can grow as long as the breeze is blowing. We can grow as long as it's shady. That's easy. You're like, man, if that's me, sign me up. If that's being a Christian, sign me up. Who doesn't want to be a part of that? But then I began to keep, I continued to read on down about this wild rose. And I found out where else it can grow. It can grow on a hillside. It can grow on a rocky ledge. It can grow in the bogs or the swamps. But can also grow on the roadside. What is beautiful about this wild rose is it doesn't matter where it's planted, Because of the depths of its root, it is going to grow. Because the roots of that wild rose knows where life comes from, and that is how deep the roots go, how deep the roots are established. And so how many of us as a follower of Christ, we're willing to say, God, plant me wherever. I don't care how hard the soil is. I don't care how difficult life is. But God, I want you to plant me wherever because I know I can grow because I'm rooted firmly in you. But not only that, my roots are in you. And they are going deep so God I want you to use me wherever you planted me if that's in a hardwood forest or if that's on the roadside where maybe in other people's eyes I play no purpose I'm not worth anything God maybe that's me this morning I feel like I've just been thrown out I feel like I've just been washed off the side of the highway How many of us would be willing to say, God, use me right where I'm at? Use me right where I'm at. But the way He's going to use you is dependent upon how deep the roots are. Man, it's raining hard outside. I know everybody wants to talk about it, don't you? I see everybody going, You hear that? Yes, I, I hear it too. Dang. Y'all need to get focused. Jeez Louise, y'all a bunch of, huh? He just said, yes, growing roots. Tell him about it, Mr. Cooper. We grow roots. That's what we're doing. Now I've got to try to reel this whole thing back in somehow. Whew. But the depth of the roots determines how we respond to the world. The depth of our roots determines how we respond to the world. And so the question is this morning, which one are are you? Are you this hydrangea bush? Yes, you're established, you're firmly rooted in him. But man, you feel just withered up. You feel like you can't go anymore. Life circumstances, the heat of life has came down on you and it's just withered everything about you. Or are you that wild rose? Did you take being found in Christ as your launching pad? Did you take that being found in Christ as your launching pad into the gospel and saying, God, I love you enough that I'm willing to surrender wherever you have me? And as a wild rose, I want my roots in you to be larger than I ever was. But which one are we this morning? You say, well, Brian, that hydrangea bush sounds kind of hopeless. It sounds kind of like it's, it's done. It's, it's finished with. You know, I know some of you probably have gotten mad at your people who come and treat your yard. If you've got people who treat your yard, you go out there and the hydrangea bush is withered up. And you're thinking, that y'all hear that too? (laughs) But in your mind, you're going, that dude sprayed my bushes with Roundup. And you're all kinds of mad. But if you remember when we're firmly rooted in him, when we're firmly rooted in Christ, it says there, if you remember, it says that we are stable and securely in position There's nothing that this world can throw at us that can uproot us as a follower of Jesus Christ because he is our foundation. He is what we are rooted in. And I want you to hear this promise this morning. Maybe you're sitting there going, Brian, that's me. I'm this hydrangea bush. I am withered. I'm worn out. These life's elements have ruined me. I'm done. Just go ahead and cut it off and burn it. I'm done. But listen to what Lamentations chapter three verses 22 and 23 says. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease. For his compassions or mercy, never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. That same plant, that at five o'clock on that hot summer afternoon that looked withered, that looked like it was done, that you just said, let's go ahead and dig that thing up and throw it away, go back out and look at it the next morning. You go back out and look at it the next morning because we serve a God whose mercies are new every day. That's what some of you need to be reminded of because they were firmly rooted in this soil because of the shadows of the night, because of the dew that came from the morning. Guess what? That hydrangea that looked like it was done the very next morning looks as beautiful as it did the day before. Because I believe with everything in me, this is the beauty of God's grace, the beauty of God's mercy, that overnight, the shadow of the Almighty just encompassed that plant. And some of you this morning, you need to crawl up under the shadow of the Almighty. You need to crawl up under the shadow of the cross today if you feel worn out, if you feel burned up, because I can promise you, when you come out on the other side, you're gonna be beautiful again. Because you are firmly rooted in him. Not in the foundations of this world. But the question is, church, this morning, are we humble enough? Are we broken enough to say, that's me. I'm worn out. I'm fried. And God, this morning, I just need to crawl up in your lap I need to crawl up under your grace. I need to crawl up under your mercy. And I need to be shadowed by your peace. I need to be shadowed by your love. I need to be shadowed by your grace. Because this world is beating me up. But church, don't forget. To be firmly rooted in him means that you're stable. And you're securely in position. And so, the deeper our roots are in Him, the way our roots grow deeper is we spend time with Him, we walk with Him. You've received Him, so walk with Him. The more you walk with Him, the deeper the roots go. Because the roots being deep is where we get life. This is our life source. But the more established we are, I'd love the last part of this, verse seven. The more established we are, he says here, to be firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. Over. Flowing with gratitude. You've heard the word all morning, response. Response. I stand here and tell you this morning that you can't grow deeper rooted in Christ. You can't grow deeper into the gospel. You can't grow deeper in walking closer to him and not respond. If you're not responding, you don't know him. I know you're the. well, that's a bold statement. But that overflow, the word that they use in that context, to overflow, it's talking about a river. It's talking about a river overflowing. It's talking about a river leaving its banks. You know, for some reason we think that because we are followers of Christ, that once we are found in Christ, once we've received Christ, that it's just a river like a peaceful just flow. That we just feel, you know, life's simple now. I'm in this river. I'm in this everlasting water. And while, yes, that's true, when we understand the peace and the grace that is found in God's love, we are going to overflow, meaning that we are going to leave our comfort zone. We're going to leave the banks that we've been running to and through for so many years. The more established, the deeper we are, the more we are going to overflow. And this is the beauty. I don't know about you, but I got a text on my weather app this morning that it said flood warning. What if we had to sound off a flood warning in our community? Not because of water, but because of an overflowing of thanksgiving because of what Christ has done. What if we said, Chestnut Mountain, Georgia, Jackson County, Georgia, Gainesville, Georgia, you're under a flood watch because while we're here at Chestnut Mountain Church, we are overflowing with gratitude and we're willing to leave our banks of being comfortable and we're willing to get outside the banks and influence everyone that we come in contact with. Because if you've ever seen a river leave its banks, it makes an impact wherever it goes. That's the reason if you ever walk down in the woods and you find a, a random stack of toys or a random refrigerator or random trash, you realize that's the evidence of an overflow. Because it went up onto the banks and it took everything in with it. It took pieces of trash that people were finished with. And guess what it did? It brought those things that were forgotten about into a community. And it brought those things that were washed up, that were done, that had been thrown over to the roadside, a church that is overflowing with gratitude. Guess what? That's the very people we're going to and we're influencing. And then all of a sudden, they're all gonna end up right back in this river of life. But this morning, the question is, is, Which one are you? Are you that hydrangea bush or are you the wild rose? And the picture that I want us to see is the more established we are in him, the more thankful we become, and the more we saturate the world with the good news. So I don't know what you brought in here this morning, I don't know where you're at in your walk. I don't know where you're at in your journey. You know, you may even read that and you say, well, Brian, I've never been found in Christ. I've never surrendered my heart and my life to him. I know that I'm not even firmly rooted in him because I've never trusted him. I'm living this life where I'm trying to make God love me. Can I go ahead and tell you, go ahead and wave a white flag because you can't do it. The Bible tells us that our righteousness is as filthy rags. Just when we think we've got it together, it's still disgusting in the eyes of God. That's where we have to become one with him. That's when we fall under the washing of the blood of Jesus Christ to where he cast every sin as far as the east is from the west. And then is only when we can stand before God, purified before an almighty God because we've been washed by the blood of the lamb. And if you've never been washed by the blood, I'd love to pour some blood on you this morning. I'd love to open the truth of God's word and show you what it means and what it looks like to follow him, to surrender to him today so that you too can be firmly rooted. But maybe you can say, well, Brian, I know I've been firmly rooted. I know I've given my life to Christ, but I'm that hydrangea bush. I'm burnt up, I'm worn out, and my root system is not very deep. Although I'm firmly rooted in him, I'm still looking to this world to please me. I'm still looking for satisfaction in relationships. I'm still looking for, for satisfaction in some addiction. I'm still looking for, for this peace that this world can't give me. And it has worn me I want to invite you this morning to crawl up under the shadow of the Almighty and say, God, I need rest. God, I need rest. His mercies are new every morning. His mercies are new every day. But maybe you've been challenged and you said, Brian, I want to be like that. Wild Rose. I want my root system to be much larger than what I am. It's going to take commitment. It's going to take discipline. It's going to take standing strong on the truth of God's word. And so, this morning, I want you to respond whatever way God has called you to respond today. We're going to sing a song, Oh, Come to the Altar. And the reason that we bring things to the altar is because that's where it ends. We bring things to the altar because it is a resemblance of a sacrifice. So whatever addiction that you've been trying to find your roots in, whatever relationship you've been trying to find your roots in, can I invite you to bring it to this altar this morning and leave it right here? Don't pick it up and carry it back to your seat. But if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I would ask you to respond this morning. Surrender to him. I'm not gonna say repeat this after me but I want you to have that conversation with God. Even when you don't know what to say, the Holy Spirit is interceding on your behalf. He knows your heart. He knows where you're at, but you just gotta surrender to it. I want you to stand to your feet this morning. God, I pray that right now in this moment, God, I know that there's a lot of people in this room that are worn out, they feel beat up. Life circumstances has just withered them, but today I pray that they would crawl up under the shadow of this cross. And God, for us as a church, Lord, I pray that we would be firmly rooted, that our roots would continue to grow deeper in you. And God, if there's someone here today that's not firmly rooted in you, God, compel them to move. And so, God, we thank you for what you're doing here. We thank you for speaking to us right now. God, move in a mighty way. In Jesus' name.